Good evening. Today I'm talking to Wendy Turbin. Hi, Wendy. Do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Hi, Donna. Thanks very much for that. I will do that. Um, Wendy Turbin. I am uh, an author of a novel called Sleeping Dogs, which I will hold up so you can see the cover of. Um, this is my debut novel, uh, and there is uh, another one in the series coming along, hopefully before very long. Uh, Sleeping Dogs is a crime novel, um, a murder mystery, and it concerns a private investigator of the name of Penny Wiseman, who runs an investigation agency. Uh, she's only just inherited it from her father when the novel opens. So she's not a very experienced detective. Um, and she is in some financial difficulty with it as well. Uh, and her plan is to build this into a, a, an investigation agency that she can take forward into the future. But uh, she also, in addition to clients who uh, come to her or that she can find who need her services, she has a, a rather kind of unique um, skill, um, curse, I don't quite know how to put it, uh, but she sees ghosts. Now, it's not really a spooky novel, um, and no one else sees ghosts in it, um, but Penny sees ghosts who want something from her. So she is compelled to find out what they want and solve their mysteries along with the ones that she's being paid to solve. And it is tricky because they don't speak. So she has to do an investigation to find out who is this ghost and what do they want? And then it goes on from that. Um, so that's her kind of setup, and it has been described as a, a jigsaw uh, a novel because it's lots of different strands that kind of come together over the space of a novel. Um, it's quite a lot of humour in it uh, with characters and some fun, even some fun ghosts, actually. Um, it was to prove they're not all spooky. Um, some of them are actually quite fun. And uh, hopefully uh, people will really like it. I've been told it's very different. The reviews have been very good. Uh, and it came out in January, um, available, obviously, ebook and paperback through Amazon and the usual uh, channels. And uh, it, it is a little bit different to what's out there, which is what I set out to do. Um, so I hope people like it. It's gone down very well so far. Uh, did you always want to be a writer? Yes, I, I had a childhood dream that I would uh, make my living uh, writing something, um, but uh, that was when I just first learned to pick up a crayon, I think, from about that time. So my first words probably went to that goal. Um, and I did through my, my childhood, my teenage years, I did want to be a writer very much, but not enough, obviously, because life got in the way, um, you know, little things like growing up, schoolwork, boys, dare I say, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then uh, life gets in the way, you go out to work, you start doing other things. Um, mm -hmm. But I always kind of dabbled, but, but very much, um, very much quietly without making, um, making it known to too many people, because I didn't like to share it, because nothing was ever good enough. It was only my little scribbles, uh, most of which fortunately hasn't survived, because I suspect it was all pretty dire, to be honest. Um, but when I was, um, when I was very uh, young, uh, I was a great addict of um, Star Trek, loved Star Trek, 
um, and I'm talking about the original black and white ones for anybody you know who, who, who wonders how old I am that will give you a clue I we had a black and white television so I didn't even realize they were in color until I went to a friend's house and saw that saw it I was blown away absolutely blown away by the transporter lights Terrific. Anyway, I digress. Um, so I started at one point with a, a friend of mine. We were writing um, scripts before Star Trek. Thought we could do much better than the writers of the programme and we could do it. But, but I had a habit of killing off um, Captain Kirk uh, every episode and then having to resuscitate him or find a way that he could be reincarnated for the next episode which, which taught me at least you know if you're writing a series don't don't kill off the main character and I thought that was a really good lesson um, and then along came Game of Thrones of course which blew that out of the water so you know now I don't know what to do anything goes <laughs> and what made you finally take the plunge and go for it um, I think I'd got to an age where it felt like now or never. Um, and I also had, um, I had tried, uh, uh, originally, um, I made a big change to my life um, about 20 years ago now. Um, and I moved down to the seaside and I sort of came out of the job I was doing and decided that I would take some time out and just kind of relearn who, who I wanted to be um, and part of that was thinking about writing so I wrote a novel then and, and it didn't go anywhere at the end of the, the day but I did take a year out and I, I wrote a novel and that kind of started me thinking about it seriously again um, and then I went and did some other things and I um, finished uh, my degree which I'd never finished and I finished it with the Open University and that was great we chatted with this a, a little bit already so I won't go into it but but, but that was fun um, and it had I did an element of creative writing with that which I really really enjoyed and and realized that even if I wasn't ever going to be a mega star writer you know I wasn't going to be a Val McDermott I wish I, I met her once I was so overawed I couldn't think of anything to say at all Sorry, Val, if you ever see this, I do really, really like your novels. And I think that's what I said. Cringe, cringe. Anyway, um, so I started with the creative writing with that, really enjoyed it. And then almost out of nowhere, I saw this, um, I came across this reference to a master's degree in writing crime fiction. I didn't even know there was such a thing. So I had a look at it and it involved writing a whole novel. That was that was the whole thing. That was the course was to write a whole novel um, through the University of East Anglia. So you have to apply to, to get in, obviously, and, and it is quite small numbers. So without any hope whatsoever, I applied. I put my little portfolio together and I'd had one or two short stories published over the years in different places. And I put some of that in. Um, and I was sort of both horrified and thrilled when they said, yes, come and come and join the course. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, really? Me? Are you sure? Are you, you've absolutely positive this isn't a mistake. Um, so with complete imposter syndrome, which we all have, I turned up to um, start the course. Excuse me, just one moment. Just going to dissuade my cat from clawing my chair to pieces. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, so I, um, I I went along on, on the first day, and it, it was um, distance learning a lot of it uh, with um, uh, three times a year um, residentials. 
Um, and it was wonderful. It was the most wonderful experience. Um, and I would, I'm a great advocate of writing courses. Where, I mean, master's degree is great, but it doesn't matter if it's a local writing course with your local college or just a writer's group. You know, if you want to write, write. Um, and this kind of gave me the focus to take it seriously. Uh, so, so yes, I've always wanted to be a writer. Yes, I started this route, but it's taken a lot of, lot of years. And it was only when I had that kind of, am I going to apply for this? And if they say yes, am I going to do it? And I thought, if I don't do it, I, I never will. I absolutely never will. So now's my time. And so I did. And it was amazing. And the most amazing thing, and thank you to all the tutors and the wonderful people at the university, uh, Henry Sutton, absolutely fabulous course, thank you. But the most wonderful thing about it all was the other students, because they are fantastic. And, and I couldn't have asked for a better group of people to kind of grow my writing um, skills with because they were amazingly helpful and we spent two years kind of pulling each other's work to pieces and trust me you get to know people very well and you learn to trust people in that circumstance um, and it's so valuable you can't you can't get it anywhere else you have to have it from people you trust uh, who, who just tell you what works and what doesn't and help you learn how to make things better um, steep learning curve <laughs> but great fabulous and um your book was the <laughs> your book was a result of that but when you wrote it were you planning on writing a series um originally no uh, I started the course with an idea we were asked to bring you know an idea um and I had this idea of of a, a character who saw ghosts she wasn't a private detective at that point um and it was a totally different idea um but I did have this ghost that kind of walked through this party scene at the beginning and and it took me by surprise when it happened originally when I was kind of scribbling before the course uh, but it was the one thing that kind of survived um the course completely um but I didn't really think of it as being a series. I am delighted that she has started to become a series and I'm, I'm working on the second one now um, because I think it is, um, a, a, certainly the character of Penny Wiseman um, can carry a series and her, her group around her uh, will move forward uh, through that series. And I, I love series myself. I mean, it, it, standalones are great, but they always kind of leave you wanting something more. Um, and a good series, I think, is worth its weight in gold. So um, I'm delighted to be writing a series. But if it had turned out to be a standalone, I, I would have been happy with that. Uh, but I'm glad that she's she's going into the future, having having a full life, I hope. Um, and if you were to be transported into your book, would you get on with your main characters? Oh, gosh, that's a difficult one, isn't it? Um, some of them, yes. Um, I, I think my my prime character, yeah, Penny. I don't know. I don't know whether I would get on with her terribly well. Um she's she's a first person character in the book so you you're kind of inside her head um and she can i think be a little bit snide a little bit spiky sometimes um which you know maybe they're things people think but wouldn't say out loud and because you're in her head you kind of see that um 
so I don't know that she would be the most comfortable of people to be around. Uh, her sister would probably drive me crazy um, because she's just, I mean, to have a younger sister who is cleverer than you, more better looking than you, more successful than you, it just must be so galling. Um, so that would probably drive me crazy. And I think the nicest person, the, the person I would probably like best of, of all of the cast um, is Alice, who is um, just... Um, yeah, I can't really say huge amount about her, but she is, um, you know, she's a character that I could relate to in lots of ways. Uh, and then, of course, there's the the hapless assistant, uh, the, young, the young man who has a tendency to get himself into a scrape or two. And I'm very fond of Nate as a character. Um, I think in real life he might he might grate a little bit over time, but he then again he's going to grow up over the series. So that will make a difference to his character. But I'm very fond of Nate. I can spend a lot of time with him. And, and I, I find writing his scenes extremely entertaining. I, I, he, I'm never quite sure what he's going to do. Um, and, uh, and it's always fun. So, yeah. <laughs> um, one thing that I noticed was a strong animal presence, um, both real and ghostly. So I'm guessing that you're a big animal lover. I am an animal lover, definitely. I mean, domestic pets, we're talking. I mean, I, I admire, you know, lions, tigers and elephants. I don't particularly want to be that close to them. Thank you very much. Uh, but when it comes to domestic pets, yes, I'm a real pushover. You know, show me a dog or a cat and, or a rabbit or a guinea pig or whatever. And, and I am a bit of a pushover for things like that. Um, and they they also, I think in, in life, pets give us so much they lend themselves so beautifully into enriching our lives uh, and making us um, making us the people we are. I mean, you know, it gives little children something to care for. They have their hamsters or their, I mean, I had white mice when I was a child and they were just delightful. Um, my mother wasn't so keen, but but they were delightful. And they do teach you a lot about, you know, caring for, for something and, and putting something else's needs first. Um, and then, you know, cats and, and dogs, of course, become part of our families and, and very important to us. And uh, and I do love that. And I'm a great um, a great advocate of, um, you know, fostering and rehoming. And uh, I walk a dog for, for a charity um, for a lady who can't walk the dog herself. And without somebody to walk the dog, she wouldn't be able to keep him anymore. Um, and I, the thought of somebody losing a member of their family because they have become um, unable to, uh, they're not mobile enough to, to take the dog for a walk is, is just tragic, which is why I do it. And the fact that I love dogs. So I don't have one at the moment. So I have to borrow somebody else's basically <laughs> to make myself happy. Um, and I will do that at the drop of a hat. So um, yeah, I'm a great, a great fan of them all. As you are Donna, I know. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, and what I liked, because generally in crime fiction, especially people say don't kill the dog, but you sort of take it, whereas they come back as ghosts and they're just playing around. And I think that's awesome. I love that. So it's like sort of gives you a bit of a warm, you know, that they're, they're still happy. They're still fine. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because there was a big controversy on one of the websites fairly recently about don't kill the dog. You know, an author who kills a dog 
it is never going to get anywhere. And I'm thinking, oh, I killed the dog. You know, this is dreadful. But but the, the dog does come back as a ghost and he is absolutely delightful and, and happy and things are brilliant. So although he has died in reality, he's still there in our hearts and in our um, in, in our fictional world. Uh, so I, I kind of hoped that I would not be um, taken out and dismembered for doing it <laughs> so please please don't don't give me a hard time uh, but yeah I, I one of the reviews I had um was, was very much um in favor of the the joy of thinking that our pets come back to haunt us in in happy ways and are still very much themselves as far as characters concerned <laughs> which I, I think if they ever came back to haunt us they would be just like that they would just stay <laughs> themselves <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah, there's the cat, isn't there, that sits sits on the shoulder? Yes, the cat tries to do things when it is a ghost um, that it did in life, only when you don't have a corporal body to, um, you know, land on somebody's lap or their shoulder, there is this issue of not being able to, to <laughs> actually cling on to things. So, yeah, there, there are sort of, sort of strange and funny moments. And cats, of course, as we all know, if they fall off something, they have this kind of very... Oh, I didn't do that. You didn't see it. Sort of look at that room. And, and I liked that so much. I have a cat myself, so he's forever falling off. He's, he's getting on a bit now. He's forever falling off of windowsills and things, and then looking round and pretending it didn't happen. And he was a bit of a pattern for the cat <laughs> in sleeping dogs. So yeah, it's, it, they add they add moments of level levity, even though they have gone beyond. Um, in your first book, you wrote about a child dying and animals, uh, which are two of the least popular choices. So is there anything you wouldn't write about, any topics you would definitely wouldn't ever cover? <laughs> well, yes, I, it didn't actually occur to me until after I'd started, you know, working on the story that that's what I'd done. Um, but there have been some wonderful, wonderful books uh, with child uh, deaths at the heart of them. And I'm thinking things like The Lovely Bones and other um, books like that, which have done it so well. Um, so I, I think any topic can be approached if you have it in the right way. Having said that, um, there are probably topics that I wouldn't want to go close to. Um, I, I mean, I couldn't, I, I just couldn't write uh, something that had a, a large kind of sexual element in it and, and you know crime in particular there is a lot of, of um, kind of sexual violence that happens and and I, I appreciate that that is real life and I do read books where that is you know in there as, as part of it and, and, and read them because I like them but I don't think I'd want to write about them in quite the same way um, that kind of grittiness of real life um, that kind of violence wouldn't wouldn't do it for me so I wouldn't ever say never but it wouldn't be where I would go where I would see myself as going generally yeah. um, did you have to do a lot of research and what's the most interesting thing you found out I did have to do a lot of research, which I can't talk about in any detail, of course, because otherwise I will be giving parts of the plot away. Um, I, I did have to do some research which uh, involved watching some documentaries and also going, uh, we had the opportunity to go to a mortuary and um, 
be talked through, fortunately, the process of autopsy, but it was actually it in the location. So um, it, it, that was, yeah, that, that was a bit more research than I needed, really. Um, <laughs> I, I don't really like blood and gore in, in person. Uh, most of all, I don't like my own blood. I think it should stay very firmly in my uh, veins. Um, but I'm not a great fan of kind of gore. Um, and I am just a little bit squeamish. So going to do that sort of research and some of the medical research that came up was quite hard. <laughs> and and I, I did see some of it from this angle. <laughs> so um, yeah, that, that was, wasn't great. But there were some wonderful, um, wonderful scientists and some wonderful people who were really helpful um, with, with the practicalities of what I was trying to do and whether they would be in any way realistic. And whilst I don't expect um, to give a template for anybody to go off and do something horrible to anybody. In fact, I would try very hard to miss out a couple of crucial steps so that couldn't happen. At the same time, I did want it to have a, a sort of feel of realism where things were, were possible. I didn't want to go outside the realms of possible. Um, so I did do some research on that, yes. And of course there was research um, in, into all kinds of things that didn't make it into the book, but might crop up in future ones. No research is ever wasted, but my goodness, we can waste some time in research. <laughs> Down the rabbit hole and away. You can waste so much time. It, it is really, really silly how much time um, can be eaten up. Um, with research but it's all fascinating always my, my current one I actually asked um, asked somebody um, that I came across and emailed speculatively can, can you tell me how this is done um, in in drugs and kind of got the answer back of well no because it would be illegal well oh damn <laughs> So as, as a writer, sometimes you get really good answers and sometimes you get slapped down quite properly for, for <laughs> not giving a template of how to do things that people shouldn't be able to do. But she did say it was possible, which is all, all I needed to know. So thank you very much. Um, do you hide any secret jokes or messages in your books that only a few people will understand? Uh there is there is one in Sleeping Dogs. There is one little reference, and it came out of the uh, masters group. Um, one of the writers on the course was was um, writing a a Victorian historical novel, and she she had a wonderful feel for language, and she came across this phrase which she used, which was "drunk as a boiled owl," and we all thought this was a wonderful description. Uh, because as mature students, you know, we are the same as all other students. We tried to follow this idea of being drunk as a boiled owl um, regularly uh, over our musings. And um, I just love the phrase. And somebody suggested that we always put a reference in all of our work to a boiled owl. So there is actually in Sleeping Dogs a reference. It's, I don't think it's drunk as a boiled owl, but it, it is a boiled owl. I think it's something that tastes like a boiled owl. And that is why it's there. It's a kind of little in-joke. It's a little nod to my master's group to say, we're all, we were all in this together. Um, and, uh, and that's it. But, but other jokes, no. I mean, I wouldn't like to put, you know, kind of secret jokes that, that readers can't access because I think that's, 
you know, the idea is the, the reader can access everything and, and know everything about it. Um, but at the same time, it's quite fun to put a boiled owl reference. So if you ever read another book and it's got a boiled owl in it some way, just have a look and see whether that writer was in my master's group um, that I was in, because it may be one of us. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's pretty of them are published writers now. So, um, I, you know, I can't <laughs> go through them all, but you may find you may find one or two references out there. <laughs> Yeah, totally looking out for that as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and that's probably used in a lot of books that are nothing to do with us as well. So don't think it's automatic. But, you know, it's, it's a lovely phrase, though, isn't it? Drunk as a boiled owl. It's very descriptive. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, like boiled owls for it. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Um, what's been your favourite moment so far of being an author? Well, apart from the absolute joyous moment when Hobeck Books said, yes, we'd like to publish your book, which had me walking on air for about a month um, and singing and leaping up and down and generally behaving most unlike myself. Um, so that was great. Other than that, I think but I, I'm coming, you know, coming to chat to people is lovely. I, I, you know, to talk about writing is actually fabulous. And I've done a few podcasts and I've done a few interviews um, and, and that is really lovely. Um, so that's a kind of given. But one of the unexpected things, I think, is when somebody asks me what I do, you know, what, what do you do? What do you do for a job? And occasionally, if I'm feeling particularly brave, I say, oh, I'm an author. And then oh a real author and, and people actually kind of take me seriously as though I'm really you know an author and I think oh well, yeah I am actually <laughs> it feels like I'm telling a fib because I'm not really used to it yet um, but yeah so that's, that's quite quite <laughs> uplifting <laughs> when you realize that actually your lifetime's ambition is 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 I've done it you know that that is the thing of course you've now got to write another one another one another one but that's yeah, it's easy. It's easy, Donna, honestly. <laughs> yes. So you keep saying. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. not what you were saying off camera. <laughs> this is also true. <laughs> I didn't realise that that was going to be shared, Drat. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what's your biggest dream? I think my biggest, biggest dream in my heart of hearts is that one day I would see Penny Wiseman on a TV screen or a film. I, I just love took her and interpreted her into because I know in my head what, what she is and who she is. But when it's changed into a, a um, visual medium, everything changes. And, and actually I would love to see somebody else's take on that. Um, not to mention, I would love to be known as the writer of. That would be lovely. Um, but, but it would be just really exciting to see somebody else's take on it. Uh, that would be my my dream of dreams. Yeah, I think that would make a wicked film or series, maybe. Anyway, I mean, it's so mad that it would be... <laughs> It would be brilliant. <laughs> well, thank you for that. I, I do. Um, I, I think I said to somebody uh, who, who said they liked it and I said, well, welcome to my mad, mad world, because my brain just whirls with these, you know, mad characters doing mad things. Um, but but it's where I love spending time, you know, and if I can do that for a job, 
<laughs> so I can spend time in this mad, mad world. Um, it, it's just, it's the best thing ever. It really is. It's fabulous. <laughs> um, have you made lots of new author friends? I've made a few um, because you do make contact with, with people through different uh, events and just chatting. Uh, but of course, because of the pandemic uh, situation, remember the pandemic situation? Um, we, I haven't really been out physically, you know, to see anybody. Ordinarily, I would have hoped to have been on, you know, also panels in different literary festivals and so forth. And it's all been online. So although, you know, you're chatting, it's not quite the same. I mean, you and I had a, a chat before this, but that's not always what happens with the on online festivals. You know, sometimes it's more just a, there you are in your box being asked your questions and, and that's it. So I've kind of missed out on that, but I'm hoping to catch up with it as things hopefully come back to to being a bit normal um but yeah a, a few and, and it's always interesting because everybody's got their own uh, processes but i think the one thing that we all um we all know is that writing one book or, or 10 books however many books is actually a big undertaking um and it takes a lot of graft as well as you know a bit of magic you hope um so people who have done it having done it myself this this once and working towards the second one i have complete admiration for for people that have done it you know 10 times over um or, or even once because i know how much that takes how much work that takes um and you know all, all credit to them it, it's not a rich quick scheme for anybody you've you've got to love it that's the only reason you do it uh, and, and, and I like being around people who like to talk about stories and ways to tell them so the conversations are always interesting yeah they usually go off on weird tangents I find with authors very weird tangents hmm, I've never found that don't know what you mean no <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we had one or two weird tangents earlier on, didn't we? So uh, <laughs> you now being an author yourself, Donna. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to have to remember that, aren't I? <laughs> you do. Yes, you do. See, we'll be interviewing you one day. <laughs> There'll be a queue. Everyone will be looking forward to grilling me. And oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's it's all very painless. I promise you, so far. So I hope so. <laughs> um, uh, do you get a lot of feedback from your readers? Um, I, I had some really good feedback from the ARC readers um, through Hoback and also through my own reader group, because obviously anything that goes to the publisher, I has to have gone through my reader group and fed back and 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 it's it's interesting. I mean it, it's always interesting because people um I think it took a lot of time over the master's course to learn that you don't have to change everything in the light feedback. You know, sometimes it's okay to say, well, I'm sorry you didn't like that, but it does work for what I wanted it to do. And if, if most of the other people think that that's what it is, you can't tweak everything. Um, but not everybody will like everything. And that is worth remembering. Having said that, if a whole um, majority of people pick up on something, then you might, you do have to sit down and think, where have I gone wrong? You know, why has this not come across in the way I wanted it to? And how can I make it um, 
change how can I change it so that I'm presenting what I wanted to present instead of what's being perceived because reading and writing you know the two halves of the same coin but but you're in a very different headspace and uh, as a reader I mean I with other people's books I read all the time as, as you do Donna um, you you put your own self into it you know reading is not a, a, a simple process you bring yourself to to whatever you're reading and that can change perception hugely uh, but if if something has been perceived as being um, not right I, there was an incident um, I think of, we were talking earlier about um, my book has a lot of humour in it because I like a lot of humour and it amuses me and I hope it amuses my readers and there are fun things. But at the heart of it is the death of a child. And that's not something that I wish to be lighthearted about because it isn't a, a funny topic. So although there are fun things in this book, there is a kind of dark heart of a story going on here. Um, and I have a tendency to run away with the humour so there were times when um, in development, my reading group would be saying, you know, this is lovely, but you've kind of let the reader almost, or you're trying to, to steer the reader into almost forgetting about the underlying serious um, event here. And you can't let the humor take over unless it's gonna be a different type of book. If it's gonna be what I would call a true cozy, and, and it was all about the lighthearted stories and the funny, funny stuff. Um, that's lovely. I read those. I love them. But this is not intended to be completely uh, in that uh, that particular slot. Um, and therefore, I have to give um, respect to the the dark story in the middle of the, of this book. So that was, you know, yeah. People do point out things that it's easy to to kind of wander off track. And that's why you need people to help you. I, I think I had this mad idea as a, a child that writing was a, a something you did on your own. And now I know it's that's ridiculous. It's a group exercise. <laughs> you can't do yeah. No way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what's the last bit? <laughs> what's the last book that made you cry? Ah, uh, the Seal Woman's Gift. I think I think that's the title. I hope that's the title um, by Sally Magnuson. It's not of itself a crime novel, but it starts with a crime. And I read the whole thing. And at the end, I sat and had a damn good cry because sometimes you just have to. And it's it becomes overwhelmingly emotional. Um, and I loved it. For, it's beautifully written. I really loved it. I was recommended it by a friend. Um, and I was mainly I read crime and she said I know mainly you read crime but read this you'll like it um, and I, I was blown away by it so yeah that was the last book that made me cry. Mm -hmm. um, if you were able to spend a day with an author dead or alive who would you like to spend a day with? Terry Pratchett definitely love the mad humour love the seriousness of the man and how 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 um, influential he was in uh, in his animal um, uh, raising the profiles um, and just being you know pretty marvelous human being I think um, and I would I would yeah spending a day with Terry Pratchett I think would be gold absolute gold. That's funny. 
<laughs> yeah. And I love orangutans. So, you know, because who, who doesn't? Um, but, you know, his books, just fabulous. Discworld captured my heart, will never let it go. <laughs> Very popular choice, actually, as well. I can imagine. <laughs> Um, and if you were to see an author, who's the biggest um, author you'd fangirl over? I have to say Val McDermott. <laughs> and, and I'm so embarrassed because I have met her once and I was so overcome with complete awe. I couldn't say anything except I really like your books and then sort of <laughs> slunk away. And I'm sure she wouldn't remember it ever because it was just like a, a, a moment in of nothing um, but she's she's just amazing she's so um, she's so clever she's so passionate um, not to mention being a brilliant writer but I mean I think as a woman she is absolutely inspirational um, and uh, and yeah I was completely overawed <laughs> I say I probably would be again as well <laughs> I'm trying not to if I had more time to practice I might come up with something better than I really like your books <laughs> embarrass myself <laughs> I love um because when I speak to other readers then obviously we fangirl over our favorite authors because that's what we do and so it's nice to know that authors still fangirl over um other <laughs> authors it's it makes us feel a little bit better I think <laughs> I, I think, you know, if, if you have somebody whose work you respect, whose life is amazing and whose who's way in the world is, is just awesome, then, you know, there's nothing else you can do except just worship at the feet. Um, but, uh, you know, it happens to everybody. It doesn't matter who they are. I'm sure if you asked, um, you know, Terry Pratchett when he was alive, there would be people that he would say the same. It doesn't matter. We all have somebody we look up to for something. <laughs> yeah. I always wonder who Stephen King's would be or J.K. Rowling's. Well, you could always just drop them an email and ask Donna. Perhaps they'll tell you. <laughs> I'll try that. <laughs> try that. Why not? Try I that. I want him for an interview, so. Oh, yes. Oh, that would be brilliant. He, he's, I have I've heard, uh, you know, various interviews he's, he's done before and he's very, very interesting. So, yeah, I'm sure you'd. And J.K. Rowling would be quite a coup as well. Yeah. Dreams. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you never know. If you don't ask, Donna, you never know. Exactly. This is my theory. <laughs> right, too. Um, who was your first celebrity crush? Well, now, I suppose, you know, we're going back to, to writing stories and killing off, um, killing off Captain Kirk, aren't we? Because William Shatner has to be has to be the one. I'm, I'm sorry, but in my my childish heart beat faster every time I saw him. And what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> That's where my heart was. So yeah, I, I just have to admit it. <laughs> I love that. That's a different one, actually. That's good. I, I think it's worth noting that, that I spent a lot of my time trying to kill off my childhood crush. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, it says something about why I'm a crime writer as opposed to a romance writer. Probably <laughs> 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 explains it quite well. <laughs> oh, I was destined to be from childhood. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you always kill the thing you love? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> um, what do you like to do when you're not writing 
Uh, I live, I'm very fortunate in that I live in a seaside town and I love to walk along the seafront. Winter, summer, it doesn't matter. There's always something to see. The sea itself is always changing. Uh, The the colours, the sky, I love it. I just adore it. So um, I moved here just over 20 years ago now and I have never regretted it. Um, and that's that's what I do. And I have friends that I walk with who feel the same. So um, most of the time we walk, we talk and we look around us. And that's that's just, you know, that's just heaven. So, yes. And even during the pandemic, of course, that has been uh, a lifesaver, really, because we've been able to do it and uh, socially distance walking. Um, even, even with the uh, East Coast wind whipping through, we can still manage to make ourselves heard so we can still <laughs> chat. Um, and that has been uh, an absolute lifesaver as well, because I know a lot of people have suffered so much with, uh, with loneliness and not being able to, to meet up with people. So, yeah, there's always been there's several of us who walk together. But, but even when we couldn't all walk in a group, we've always managed to walk um, to two people together so that's fab oh, yeah quite jealous of that actually I've always wanted to live as a seaside <laughs> I recommend it but then if everybody goes to the edges of the country who's going to live in the middle <laughs> yeah <laughs> um if you're able to go back to any time in history where would you like to go back to Oh, it would rather depend what what niche I was going to occupy in that era. Um, I, I, yeah, wow. I mean, there's so many different ones, but but you do want to be, you know, of the moneyed classes. Usually, I don't, I don't think anybody chooses to be a a peasant at any time. But but uh, I mean, the court of Henry VIII, I always thought was the most interesting um, thing in in uh, in English uh, history um, for me with uh, with all the intrigues going on and of course there are quite a lot of crime series written around there as well um, but I do want to be you know in a place of safety I don't want to end up having my head chopped off or you know end up in the tower thank you very much <laughs> well even that wasn't guaranteed when you were rich anyway was it especially Henry well, it wasn't. <laughs> no it wasn't so I you know I wouldn't want to be high enough to be noticed by those who would chop off <laughs> head uh, but I'd want enough money so I wasn't uh, I wasn't living um you know with the peasantry and and to be honest I'd also still want a nice bath that would be good so um yeah can, can I have all that <laughs> is that cheating <laughs> <laughs> just take it back with you it's fine <laughs> would notice. yeah no, no one would notice no I'll take my <laughs> bathtub with me <laughs> um what would those closest to you say your worst habits are I don't know I'm a bit frightened to think about that one. <laughs> my, my worst habits um, impatience I think I can be very impatient um, and uh, and I, I even to the point of finishing people's sentences which is very annoying I try not to do it but if I'm if my brain is racing ahead, sometimes that gets the worst of me. So and impatience covers a multitude of sins, actually, because it causes you to do all sorts of things you shouldn't and and make other people feel rushed and miserable and stuff. So, yeah, I, that's probably probably one of one of the things. It's the only one I'm going to admit to has that. <laughs> <For now. Sports> <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you said you're working on book two so what's coming after that do you have any ideas 
Um, I I do. I mean, the um, Penny Wiseman murder mysteries uh, is planned as a series, so I have have that sort of uh, Penny's you know story arc, if you like, goes goes three or four books now, kind of roughed out into the future. Um, so I don't know the individual stories of the books, but I know what happens to her and and where she's going. Uh, so that is um, that that's going to be my kind of writing future for that. Um, but I also, I, I'm a bit of a, um, I, I'm going to mention uh, Game of Thrones to you earlier, and I, and I am a bit of a sort of fantasy fan, and I love dragons, anything to do with dragons. You know, I was, I was brought up on the Dragon Riders of Pern and things like that, so I would love to write a little fantasy thing with dragons uh, in it, so if I'm, if I'm playing with something, it might come up like that. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Well, I don't think I have any more questions for you unless you think there's anything I haven't asked that you want to tell us. I can't imagine. I think we've covered pretty much uh, everything before or during <laughs> this, this session. Thank you very much for, for letting me come on and, and talk about uh, sleeping dogs. And I will just do that. You know, this, this is what the cover looks like. And uh, if anybody would like a copy of it, you know, please go onto Amazon. Uh, it's published by Hobeck Books. So it's also available through their website, ebook, paperback. Um, please buy it. Please support your, you know, independent publishers and your independent authors. We do need it. And um, I hope you enjoy it. And uh, I better go back to writing the second one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I would just like to say as someone that's read it, it's amazing and you should definitely should read it. So, <laughs> Thank you, Donna. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, and before we go, do you just want to tell everyone where they can find out more about you? Uh, yes, I have a website, um, www.wendyturbin.com, because I believe in being really difficult to find. So if you use my name and Google it, it'll come up. You'll, you'll find it. There's a bit about me on there. I kind of have a blog, which is a bit erratic. I just put things up when, when they interest me, really. Um, but I am contactable through that as well, or through my publishers, and that's fine. And I have one, one little exclusive for you, Donna, to, to put out uh, today. But for those, and I know that... Not not everybody likes to read a physical book or an ebook. Some people like to listen to books. Um, so a little bit of a, a teaser because uh, the audiobook of Sleeping Dogs uh, is in production. Uh, so it will be coming out. I'm not quite sure when, but we haven't got a date, but it is definitely in production now. And it's being read by my very good friend and absolutely wonderful um, actress and writer in her own right, Judy Dakin. So uh, thank you, Judy, for agreeing to do that. And uh, I've heard uh, there is a story on my website that she has um, done an audio of. So if you're interested, please go in, onto the website and have a listen. It's called Silence of the Rabbit. Um, and it will give you a flavour of, of what Sleeping Dogs is, is about partly uh, and also what Judy sounds like uh, reading my work and I couldn't ask for a better person to be reading it so that's coming soon so that's your exclusive the first time that's been announced anywhere Donna thank you very much I appreciate that <laughs> my pleasure my pleasure thank you